This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You had to know that when Wingstop set out to make a crispy, juicy chicken sandwich, they wouldn't make it in just one flavor. They'd make it in all 12. Like lemon pepper, mango habanero, hickory smoked barbecue, and OG hot. So why have one new favorite chicken sandwich when you can have 12? Try the new sauced and tossed Wingstop chicken sandwich today for only $5.49 at Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. Valid for a limited time and available at participating Wingstop locations only while supplies last. Price subject to applicable taxes and fees. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me today is Giannis Janais and Emilio Dinello. This is our end of the season review. During the show, we'll be talking about several topics, and one will be our player of the season. On top of that, we're going to be discussing Ryan O'Donovan's player ratings for the season on London. He has several player ratings and also some other ratings as well. We'll be going through all of that. And I look forward to doing the show with my co-host. But before I do anything, I have to welcome them both back to the show. First, Mr. Janaeus, how are you doing? I'm just absolutely ducky. How are you doing, Russ? I'm doing great, my friend. I look forward to doing the show with you. Should be a lot of fun. Good, good afternoon or good evening to Emilio. <laughs> Emilio, how are you doing? Hi, hello, guys. Yeah, good evening from here from London. Um, yeah, just, it seems a little bit surreal we're having this 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 reflection of the season, you know, rather than just this expressing disappointment, we've actually got a lot of positive things to talk about. So, yeah, we just, do. Uh, who would have thought six months ago we'd be having this conversation about looking forward to the Premier League fixtures coming out next Thursday, as Janice mentioned earlier. So, uh, yeah, let's 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 enjoy it. Let's make the, let's enjoy this moment because these these events don't happen too often. So, uh, absolutely, should yeah. be fun tonight. Absolutely, Emilio. And uh, let's start here. I've I've asked all co-hosts this question after the uh, match at uh, Wembley that you and I went to, and I had a wonderful time with you. Thank you to you and Kelly for uh, having me stay with you, and we had a wonderful weekend. Just I can't thank you enough. But I just want to get your thoughts on the whole experience. Um, just just surreal, really, to be honest. It's, you know, obviously for those around the world, our listeners around the world, obviously I had a bit of a bad news. More about 3 o'clock in the morning, my, my brother-in-law on my fiancé's side, passed away in the middle of the night. So he died peacefully in hospital after a short battle with cancer. So, yeah, it was almost touch and go whether I was going to go to the game to recall us. So, but at the end of the day, there was not little we could do. We had to psych ourselves up for the game. And to be honest, we had an amazing day out. It felt like going to a cup final. Yes, it was a cup final in, yep. in its own right. But just the celebrations, the joy, you know, the, the, there was belief in that crowd, wasn't there? I just felt... Most supporters went in. They're not apprehensive. They're actually confident we're going to turn Villa over. And obviously we did that. But 
it was just an amazing experience, one I'll never forget in my entire life. It's a sort of different to the Europa final eight years ago, where we didn't expect to win. Was I think against Villa, there was there was much higher expectations. But it's you know, what more can you ask for? If you if you'd asked me six months ago, would you take a, a, a Wembley final playoff? I would have you know bitten your hand off, to be honest. So the fact that we got there, you know, it's just it's just an amazing lifetime experience, and I just hope you know all fans will remember that for the rest of their lives. Yes, and uh, I will as well. And uh, again, sorry for your uh, loss there, Amelia. My thoughts are with you and your family uh, in, in regards to your loss. So uh, uh, thank you for mentioning that, and uh, I'm glad that I could be there with you. Again, very sad for you. Okay. Well, let's move on. Let's now get into our end-of-the-season review. And, uh, Emilio, I'm going to start with you. I thought this is a good place to start because I was thinking about this, and we've talked about this a great deal. Great end to the season. Obviously, Fulham get promoted. When did it turn? What was the turning point in the season? I want to get your thoughts on it. Could be a moment. Could be a player coming. When did it all turn for you? You know, I think, you know, that December time, that, that you know, we, we there was a few bad moments in, you know, in the autumn. We, you know, we weren't killing games off. We weren't being clinical. We didn't have any forward lineup. You know, a lot of people will point at David Button, you know, the fact that those clangers against Brent, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, we'll talk about the plays later. But yep. I think that wake-up call against Sunderland, a team that hadn't won at home for 12 months, the embarrassment of actually being, you know, the only club, you know, the, the only club to be beaten at the Stadium of Light in 12 months. That just was, as far as I was going, as low as it could get. You know, Chris Coleman, first game in charge for Sunderland, first home game in charge for Sunderland. We just didn't turn up that day. And I think, I think that was a wake-up call, a kick up the backside just before Christmas. You know, a lot of fans were upset, a lot of people, a lot of Fulham fans bet against Fulham winning that day, as we well know. So just a wake-up call, not just for the club, but also for the fans. And I think that was, in my view, the turning point. as a reality check that we physically lost against the worst team in the country in, in terms of home form. Okay, you know, it couldn't get lower than that. And that, in my view, that, that was the turning point. And subsequently, we went on that amazing run thereafter. But, but there was a few subtle changes in lineup, you know, and some players being dropped. But I just think it was just to wait the reality, of the fact that we lost against the worst home team in the country for 12 months. Certainly understand why you went there. You're talking about the Sunderland loss at the Stadium White. That's a very good turning point. Over to you, Giannis. What was your turning point here? It was actually seven days previous to that. Um, it was Saturday, December the 9th, 2017. Um, and that was, it was the game against Birmingham City. And we won it one nothing. And it okay. was a week before the Sunderland loss. But the significance was that Marcus Bettinelli was recalled to the to starting lineup. And to me, that changed the whole season. I mean, I'd, I'd be going on about it for the better part of four months, but he should be brought back in. We just come off the back of a you know a poor loss at Griffin Park against the Fodder. And um, and Slavisha brought uh, no back now. We did lose to Sunderland the week after. We know that, but that wasn't Betts' fault. Um, but the fact that he was back in the lineup made a humongous difference. And to me, it was a huge turning point because from that point on, um, you know we we just went on this ridiculous we went on this ridiculous run. He brought a button back for the Southampton FA Cup game, you know, on in January. But apart from that, um, Bet started every single game, and I think that uh, I said that um, the back four played so much better with him, especially Tim Ream. He became an absolute colossus um, at the back, and um, it was a you know a subtle change. I don't think there's a lot of difference between Button and Bet. But Slavicia remembered what happened last season and he, he resisted the temptation of bringing back, but he did, and it, and it, bore, it bore fruit. Okay, excellent. Guys, uh, John from Friends of Fulham, when I did the Q&A, he brought up that uh, run that included uh, Wolves and uh, I believe Aston Villa were in the middle of it. I believe it was that six-match pivotal run in the second half of the season that at that point he thought that things really changed and confidence grew and we took it from there. I, I'm actually going to go with him on that, but I'm going to single out the Wolves match because that's when I started to believe that this was something different. To beat Wolves at home with everything going on with Wolves, best team in the league, and Fulham took it to him. I, I thought, okay, things are a little bit different now. We can play with anyone. We can beat anyone. That, to me, was the turning point, at least for me, that everything leading up to it, I understand where you guys are going on because that those are two good turning points, but I think it really fueled from that point on after the Wolves match because I think the belief 
was in full throttle at that point. So I'm going to pull in with uh, saying the, uh, the Wolves match, but I understand where you guys went on that. All right, guys, let's now talk about matches, uh, match of the season and worst match of the season. Let's start with the negative first. Let's get it out of the way. Giannis, worst match of the season. Um, that's not an easy one. Um, I think you're going to have to go. You're going to have to go back to Wolves uh, away back in November. Okay. Um, they they absolutely smacked us. They smacked us off the park. Um, we were, um, you know, it's not that we were necessarily awful. We were just never in the game. We were third best in a game of two, and at that point, Wolves were absolutely just going nuts, and they were. And still remain a very talented team that deserved to win the division. I have absolutely no qualms about, you know, a spirit of Sandor and the work he's done as manager and, and the players that he brought in. They did a magnificent job. And that was, you know, we got 2 nothing wasn't reflective of the spanking we got that night. Um, to me, that was a low point. It looked like we were heading for mid-table mediocrity at that point. Okay. That's actually a very good one to point to. Emilio, over to you. Uh, first match that came to mind for me was actually, believe it or not, the Brentford match because that, to me, was a horrific loss. But we can talk about the Birmingham City loss at the end of the season. Giannis brings up the Wolves match. You've already talked about the Sunderland match, so w- which is the worst match to you? Yeah, I still, you know, Brentford, you know, defensively were a, were a shambles that day. Um, you know, just, you know, we just were an embarrassment. I still believe the Sunderland game. What did we offer in that whole game against the worst team in the uh-huh. country? Home. You know, we offered absolutely nothing that day. Against Wolves, you can expect to be spanked when they're top of the league, running away at a canter. We're struggling in mid-table, offered very little. That I can understand, the best team in the division beating a mid-table team. But to be to, to actually offer zero away to Sunderland, that's just as embarrassing as it got. I, I, can't, I can't think of any worse performance other than that game. Brentford game, Wolves game, we, you know, we were second best or third best, as Yannis said, but... You know, there are other moments. Even Bristol City at home, I remember we got played off the park in the 2-0 defeat on Halloween, if it, I think it was, Halloween night. That's an excellent we offered, That was a depressing home defeat. Yep. Um, so, Burton away again. Look at the way we're one, you know, one minute you win, the next minute you're 2-1 down. And that was, again, the worst, one of the worst teams in the division. So, there's That's lots right. of bad negative moments in the first half of the season. But, to me, worst team at home, Sunderland, they got relegated. That's, you know, that's got to be up there, surely. I understand why you went on there. I, I For some reason, the Brentford match sticks out to me. But uh, both of you guys br- bring out some good examples. There were some terrible losses in this. But the flip side is that we have some wonderful potential matches of the season. We're going to do this this way. I want to get home and away match of the season. So you're going to give me two. Don't include the playoffs or the final because obviously you could put in their own category. I want to look at the season. So, Emilio, I'm going to start with you. Best match of the season at home and away. You can start with either one. Um, you know, if I look at the, it's got to be best. I'd probably say it was in that sort of February phase. You know, we played Aston Villa and Wolverhampton back to back at home, and I think that Wolves game at home was complete football. You know, admittedly, Wolves were, were slightly off their best. They weren't. They'd, they'd already peaked by then, so maybe they were a little bit complacent or maybe looked found out. But you know, we. We just dominated from start to finish that game. We actually gave them no, 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 no opportunities whatsoever. I think we started to finish. Best team won on the night in front of the television cameras as well. And that for me was the most complete performance at home. Most confident performance. Got the clean sheet. You know, I don't think what else. I think that to me stood out. And I think they like said, "Is the irony was subsequent to that game against Wolves?" No, we didn't actually play as fluently after that. We were sort of hung on in a few games, battled and scraped a few, few you know, one goal, one nil wins, Reading at home. You know, you could argue that the, other than the Wolves game into March and April, yeah, we battled deep. We fought like Brighton would have done last season, you know, when they, you know, they right. didn't always play well, but still find a way of winning. And that's what reminded, that's what reminded me of a, a good team, a, you know, a strong team, because we, 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 we fought that's right. and battled a lot of games in March and April. But that was... I think the most complete performance at home, that 2-0 win against Wolves, against arguably the best team in the division. Right, and that showed what Fulham were capable of, Emilio. But I'm glad that you Mm. talked about these other matches because when we look at the final, you were with me, and here we are, we're playing this really good football in the first half. Then you have, obviously, in the second half, the response from Aston Villa. And then you have Mm. the gritty ending for Fulham, down a man. 
So I think mm-hmm. that all of that experience, Mill, you're talking about those matches where they found ways to win like Brighton. It all came to fruition in that final match at Wembley. You know, you look at those games, you know, the, you know, the, in the last six or seven weeks, you know, Reading at home, that was not come. You know, Reading didn't offer much, but at 1 0, anything can happen. Brentford, Even Sunderland. You know, Sunderland, you know, yeah, good point. Sunderland, you know, we lost to Birmingham. You know, you know, we. Yeah. Here's the other one. I think it was QPR, you know, the Dennis Adoy mistake. So, look, there was a few disappointing moments. Yeah, we still hung on. We still remained unbeaten until the Birmingham game at the end, but we were not at our peak in, in March and April time, but we learned how to win ugly and defend leads well. Oh, good point there. Okay, how about best away match of the season? Because that was a home match. Yeah, well, what I'm going to say, I'm obviously going to go to the games that I physically went. I, I, you know, from a, you know, I thought the Ipswich away at the beginning of the season. That was, well, I thought that was great. performance. Yeah. You know, Ipswich at the time had won four games out of four. Top of the table... All the Ipswich fans who wanted to McCarthy to be sat suddenly on it, you know, saying he's the best manager in in the, under the sun. But we just turned up that day, you know, total right. total domination, some goal. You saw the Tom Kearney, Stefan Johansson, beautiful one touches, excellent rapport between the players. It was a beautiful, complete performance on a lovely sunny day in a welcoming uh, stadium. That to me was a very complete. And professional performance. Now I thought that was a, that was could have been our turning point after a slightly disappointing slow start to the season. But unfortunately, things didn't move on from that game. But that to me, in front, you know, actually going to the gathering, that was my best away performance of the season because it was just we offered we gave them nothing, and this was a team who'd won four games back to back and top of the table on a high. It's funny because uh, I was thinking about that one as well, and I'll share mine in just a second. Giannis, over to you. Best matches of the season, home and away. What are your choices? Okay, well, first home match of the season was the 4-1 win over Ipswich. And, and I picked that one because of we were struggling a little bit that game and then Jordan Spence decided to have his absolute meltdown and got the red card. And I thought yeah. in the second half we were outstanding. And I thought okay. at that point we showed some, even though we lost the next game in the Cup to Southampton, we showed a lot of resilience in that game. And our fans were very, very noisy that night. And, and, that was, and that was really, really good to see. That's one that certainly sticks out. The one away game that for me sticks out, and it might be a surprise, was is funnily enough the game, the win up at Preston 2-1. Mitro That's um, a great one. Won, won it late. I think it was at that point, it was that win that, that suddenly I thought, you know what, we, we can do this. Because we'd had a really good string of results. We'd beaten Villa. We'd gone up to Ash, down to Ashton Gate, got the draw. We'd beaten Wolves. We've beaten Derby, Sheffield United. But Preston was going to be a tricky fixture because they're very much a blue-collar team um, and they're um, a, a hard-working team who I think, you know, is a team that's not been talked about into, uh, for next year for the championship uh, that should be there or thereabouts, but I think they will be. I really like what they've done up at Deepdale. And um, that was a hard battle because we took a nice early lead and then... They came fighting back second half, and then Mitro won it late. That's right. But it was, it, it was, a, and again, Preston are a pretty resilient side, um, a tough side to play. They gave us a tough side, a tough time down at the cottage as well. And I thought that was a huge win because it's not, often it's about the really gritty performances. And for me, that was a gritty performance against a good side. And that, that, even though we, you know, we let ourselves down a little bit a week later and we, we got a draw of the ha-has, I still felt we were going to have enough in the tank after a result of that on the road up to the northwest where we could at least make the playoffs. So for me, the home game against Ipswich and uh, the away game up at Preston are my most memorable of the, of the season. Oh, these are very interesting choices. I'm going to stick with Wolves at home because I, I just thought that was a complete victory against uh, the best team in the league. So that for me is my home. And my away is going to be interesting Giannis, you brought up a great one in Preston North End. I'm tempted to go there. I was even going to throw in Derby County, and I do like the one that Amelia brought up, Ipswich Town, because that was an early away match that showed, again, what Fulham were capable of very early on against a team that was in form. But I'm going to go for pure entertainment, guys. I'm going to say Sheffield United, because this was a crazy match. And to still hold on in the end was uh, not easy. It was not an easy feat the way that played out. It didn't end great, but they still got the victory. And uh, they showed uh, glimpses of what they were capable of. 
So I'm just going to say, because of entertainment sake, because it was a very entertaining match, I'm going to go with Sheffield United. So that's my pick for away match. And and home was going to be Wolves. All right, guys. There's also the other game about, you know, was the Burton Albion game. You know, they called us at the worst possible moment. The fact that we were on a, on a right. high, we were unbeaten, had a 100% record in January. They came, I think, the bottom of the table or second from bottom of the table, just absolutely annihilated. That could have been 10 or 11 nil that game. So, <laughs> you know, yes, you were playing against the bottom team. But right. again, every time we came forward, we looked like we were going to score. Now that's, a, that's a very good point. All right, guys, we're going to talk about the players in just a few minutes, but we still have a couple more topics in our end-of-season review, and it's all going to lead up to that. Let's now talk about Slavisa. And, Giannis, I'm going to start with you. We do these ratings for Slavisa during the season. Let's do it for the entire season. Rate him from 1 to 10, my friend. I've got, I'm going to, I've got to give him a 9. Um, and, and, and it's with an asterisk because there are certain players that didn't have good seasons or didn't seem to get a look in like you know, um, Molo or um, Jalo or Mazel obviously off, went off to Austria-Vienna um, Austria or um, Cisse. Um, I, I mean, you could say, well, uh, Dilatoy or um, uh, Aiden should have got a little bit more time. But at the end of the day, he, he got the balance right in terms of the formation that he wanted and the best players on the park. Um, you know, putting Sessegnon up front on the left was a, was a revelation. He he brought out the best in in, um, in 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 good players, and then he the big decision, of course, um, was bringing putting Betts in net, and um, he stayed re- remarkably classy, remarkably calm um, in the playoffs. Even in that first game up at Pride Park, I thought we were focused. I thought we were a little unlucky in that. In the final, you can see how tremendously well prepared we were. Um, the players were very, very confident in terms of the job they needed to do, and that really, you know, that speaks to the leadership—not just, of, excuse me, not just of Slovenia, but the coaching staff. And um, they've done an outstanding job, really, all the way down through the the academy as well. So for me, I mean, the ultimate objective would have been to get promoted. Yep. And he did it the right. It worked out the right way because Cardiff, you know, obviously got a couple of extra weeks off, but look at the glory we had to go to Wembley. <laughs> so um, for me, a nine out of ten. Um, is probably bang on and uh, a fantastic year for the manager. Okay, excellent. Milo, how about yourself? It's hard to disagree with that, to be honest. You know, it's, you know, look overall, you know, we had a, you know, a particularly slow start. You know, he was still experimenting. He had players in his, you know, in his wardrobe, for a better word, who basically weren't his, weren't his, weren't his selections, you know. So, he, you know, he had a, a particularly weak, Squad of players, slightly you know stronger than last season, but again, you know, it was this reluctance of playing the players he won. There was an apprehension at the beginning of the season when he was being flippant. You know, you know, I've said this many times in the show about his attitude. You know, airing his dirty laundry in public. You know that that frustrated me at the beginning of the season, and I think that impacted the performances in the autumn. You know, the fact that we didn't have the players he wanted. You know, frustrated with the board, with you know, with you know, Mr. Klein, and um, that was impacting the performance on the pitch, but. The fact that he made changes, you know, had the balls to to drop button, made some formation changes, you know, bringing you know playing Sessignon where he's strongest, you know, that result, you know, that you know, that was an excellent move, and you know, you, know, you can't give him anything less than that. He got his job was to get the club promoted to Premier League, and he's achieved that. You know, you know, the, obviously, every job you go through highs and lows, but you know, you, you know, you can't you can't give him anything less than a nine. Possibly even give him a ten. What his remit was, get the club promoted. He's achieved that. Therefore, you know, you know, you you've got to give him the plaudits for doing that. Nine out of ten minimum, if not ten out of ten, for doing the job. Okay, very interesting. I'm just going to read the excerpt from uh, Ryan O'Donovan's article on Football London because he has a rating for Slavisa. I'm going to read it to you, Emilio, and I want you to react to it. He gives Slavisa an eight. This is what he says: the mastermind behind Fulham's promotion on the pitch, Jokanovic didn't let the early season form get to him or the side, and he managed to turn things around to take them 23 unbeaten. His coolness rubbed off on his players, who didn't seem to let the pressure get to them, producing on the most important stage of all. Now Jokanovic will finally get the chance to test himself in the Premier League. He gives them an eight. Is he being a little harsh? Well, I, think I think so, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was. If we didn't get promoted, we salvaged the season and got us to finish top three, top four, but not getting automatic, not getting the promotion. And I understood, but 
you know, through adversity, through, you know, transfer challenges in the summer, you know, you know, his, his, his opinion of the board, things we've discussed at the moment, things weren't clicking back in, in September, October, November time, but we managed to galvanise him. Confidence grew and grew and grew, and, you know, he's got to take a lot of credit. So do the players, obviously, but right. today, you, surely you're measured on the success of, or, and failure of whether you win a tournament or win the cup or get promoted. The job was get promoted. He's done that, so I'm not sure what else he could have achieved. Okay, well, I think it's irrelevant the fact that we, you know, he, you know, that he got us, you know, through a hump in in November time. He's, whatever he did right. was successful. He's got us promoted. Without that, then we'd be we'd be having a different conversation. It'd be probably a six out of ten because expectations <laughs> would not have been met. Sure, you know I mean, so from the reverse effect. So, so, okay, well, you know, it's interesting because he's a decent rating, but I, I was expecting a little bit higher. Giannis, your thoughts. I think it is a little harsh. I mean, you know, what would he have needed to get a 10? Win the division by 50 points? You know, I mean, it, 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 I don't think we cared how we got there. As long as we got there, it doesn't matter right. whether we finished third or first. And the magnitude of that 23-game unbeaten run and, and the glory trip to, to Wembley made it all worthwhile. And as I said, even if, but for the way he conducted himself, um, even after the Birmingham City loss, which was very, very disappointing, obviously, but he got us prepared even after losing up at Pride Part 1. I think, and, um, I think he's done an excellent job. So for me, nine, I wouldn't give him anything less than a nine. I think he, we wanted to get promoted. And, and as far as I'm concerned, it's job done. Okay, excellent. All right, Giannis, back to you. We're going to start talking about the players. Let's start this way because this is a topic that I always find interesting. It's a player that overachieves. You're expecting one thing from the player and he – takes it to another level. So I'm going to ask you, which player stood out most as a pleasant surprise for you? I'm going to say Dennis Adoy, um, because because Dennis, you know, he was he was pegged as a fullback, and then we all remember the infamous game down at, uh, at the Medeis game when Carlos got sent off, and he came in and played, you know, magnificently as a makeshift centre-back, and then more or less made the role his own. And I think that um, before the season, if you'd said that he'd become a, one of our starting centre-backs and might have had a good laugh. But he he certainly um, he certainly did a very, very good job. And um, and it was magnificent for him to get you know get the winning goal at the cottage with that, that great header. He's been an unsung hero he's, and he's, he's worked hard. We had a lot of players like him this year that really worked hard and, you know, they weren't there for show. They were there to put a, put a shift in. And Adoy was a very, very pleasant surprise this year. Okay. I was going to say Adoy. That was the player I've been thinking about. How about you, Amelia? Um, it's you know, it's you know, obviously Session. I think over. You know, let's be honest. I think he overachieved. I think it's, you know he was a player. You know, we all expected him to be more effective. You know, right. play, You know, playing that wide. But you know, did we all? Did any of us expect him to have the ter- you know the number of goals and assists he uh, he provided and scored this season? I think that's a, a pleasant surprise. I thought we we knew he'd be in the game and influence some of the games and with his pace and you know, but. The fact that he was had he was in the right place at the right time had this knack of being a you know, typical you know goal hanger who just happened to just poach poach loose balls and bang them in the back of the net. So to be honest, I'd probably say you know I, I didn't I thought Cessna would have a good season, but you know, I think he he dumbfounded me and get you know you know overachieved in many respects. You know this is a guy who's seventeen, just turned eighteen recently. <laughs> you know you know scoring all those goals for fun. I just think you know he was my pleasant surprise. You know okay. we expected. Things of him, but did anyone expect him to score thirteen, fourteen goals, however many it was, and all those assists, and his beautiful ball at Wembley for Tom Kearney? Let's not forget that, you know, the, the, you know, the beautiful pass to win the to win the game. So, you know, there's him, Adoy. I think even you know, let's see what this guy who, you know, tw- eight, eight nine months ago, you know, we saw him in the first few games. We thought this guy is absolutely hopeless. Him and Font, you know, I kept saying on this show, what threat do those two guys offer up front? But you've seen a maturity, you know, calmness, and more composure. Yep. Yes, he's still got a lot to learn, but look at the way he's progressed from last August to the cup final. Still has huge potential, the, you, know, you know, huge potential there. And this is a guy who's completely transformed. So again, that's a pleasant surprise. And albeit he hasn't played, didn't play much in the last four months of the oh, season. That's a great name. When he, yes. you know, I just think, you know, he, we've got. Let's keep an eye on him over the next few seasons. You know, oh, I think he's getting more experience. But that guy's got a bit of potential. The fact that he was trusted to play 
and starting the game at Wembley. That that says a lot, Slavisa and the faith he had in him. Absolutely. All right, it's time to look at the flip side. Emilio, I'll go to you first. Who was the biggest disappointment as a player this season? <laughs> oh dear, it's um, there's a number of different players. You know, there's you know, I think Callas was a disappointment. You know, okay. I think you know, you know, the fact that Dennis Adoya, you know, not an automatic centre half player, you know, managed to keep him out of the team for the last few months of the season. I think Callas disappointed for me in a lot, and I said this last season as well. If you many times on the show that Tim Ream for me was the best central defender the second half of last season I actively said it on this show I remember. and again he outshone him you know throughout the whole season Kylas was a disappointment for me um you know again Font you know again the beginning of the season you know, you know my views on Rui Font you know you know what did he offer for the for the part very very little so he was a very disappointing and you know didn't really influence any games I can't remember anything of note that he did for the club um, and then maybe the Aites and Cabanos again. Lots of expectation. These two chaps, pacey, threatening. You've got goals in them. They both disappointed as well. So they they were equally just as disappointing. And, and Stephen Johansson didn't have his best game. He's my favourite player, as you know. But yes. I'm not going to single him out. But he's, he's he's been getting a lot of criticism from a lot of the fans. I just think that's 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 not justified. But to me, I'd probably say Thomas Callas really because this was you know you know this was this could have been his season and he got got pushed out by Dennis Adoy and really made too many errors for my liking the first half of the season. Okay, very interesting names that you brought to the table. I, I was thinking of Rui Font because of the expectations. I think, like you and I have talked about, Emilio, I think Rui Font has a chance to be a player in the Premier League because I think the league suits his uh, skill set better. So I want to say that when I'm mentioning Rui Font, but I think it's a disappointment based on needing a goal scorer and unfortunately uh, strikers are expected to score and it just didn't fall for him for whatever reason. Now, I hope it still does in the future, but that was the name that stood out to me. I'll, I will say Rui Fine. You're saying Tomas Kallis. Giannis, to you. I think mine is actually Ibrahim Assisi. Um, Interesting. And because we brought him in, and I, you know, I thought, well, you know, young player, very good potential, um, and, you know, holding the central midfielder that we're probably going you know, to probably gonna need. And he he just he just seemed he fell away and then he became non-existent in in the squad and you know there were several players obviously that didn't get lookings but he was probably the one that um, was a, a, a disappointment in terms of that squad element in terms of the playing element I I think I'm actually pleased with the way Stephen Johansson played this year I, I thought he played with a lot more of an edge and I don't have a problem with that you know there was he, he's got he's, he's added a bit more grit to his. Uh, to his armory, and I think that's a good thing. I think um, the font one would be easy to throw mud at him, but I mean the championship isn't everybody's cup of tea. And I, and I agree with you, Russ. I think he's got he's got quality, and I think he's going to do. Um, I think he's uh, I think he's actually going to do very well next year. Callas uh, was really sort of in and out, and this is a question mark in terms of you know the number of players that we've got on loan in the club. And Callas is the longest um, loanee from Chelsea. I think he's been on loan for eight nine years or something silly like that. And um, you know, I can't, I can't foresee him in Fulham colours next year for sure. I, I, um, I just think that he does, he will not have the quality that's required to help Tim Ream. Um, and I didn't, I, I, the development piece couldn't have been so good if Adoy, who really isn't the centre back, became the de facto centre back as part of the partnership with Ream, simply because um, he couldn't get back in the lineup. So, um, so Cisse for me. But but Callas, you know, uh, at times to me flattered to deceive. Okay, very interesting, and uh, understand why you guys are talking so much about Tomas Callas. Very fascinating that you brought a Ibrahim Assisi. I wasn't expecting that yet. So I like that you brought that to the table. All right, guys. I totally forgot about him. I was going to say I, I actually did too. Him. Yeah, but every time he came on, he came on a subject just so slow. It just it just. Yeah. Didn't give us any confidence, you know. There was yeah. there was no there was nothing there. As soon as you know, just no inspiration. No, wasn't tracking back. It just felt it just felt like a lanky central midfielder, you know. Very, yeah. just it just 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 wasn't the right fit for the club. So you know, I wish him all the best. I don't think he's got a future at Fulham. So um, so yeah, but I completely forgot about him, Yannis. So uh, thank you very much for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Glad that Yannis brought him up. All right, guys. It's time now to talk about player of the season, and then we're going to go through Ryan O'Donovan's player ratings from Football.London. Let's go right to player of the season. I'm just going to mention 
real quick because I did a Twitter poll and I had a huge amount of votes for this. I had 1,351 votes. This is a huge sampling, guys, of player of the season. And the choices were Tom Kearney, Tim Ream, Kevin McDonald, and Ryan Session. I gave the fans four choices. And I'm going to start with the person who got the least. Tom Kearney got 4%. Kevin McDonald and Ryan Sessignon tied at 12%. Tim Ream won this poll 72%. And anyone that I've talked to or I've seen on Twitter, he seems to be the pick, player of the season. I agree. Over to you, Emilio, first. Is your player of the season Tim Ream? Yeah, without a doubt. You could argue. Well, you know, for the last 18 months, he's been my player of the season. You know, he, he was had a tremendous second half last season during that good, that good strong run that we had. A few mistakes. Callas was one making all the mistakes and all the errors. So, you know, then away from Tim Ream. But the irony is, you know, ha, you know on another season, had we got play with Ryan Sessegnon, in fact, with all those goals, you know, as a defender, playing in midfield and and scoring the most goals at the club and with all those assists for a 17-year-old player. I Normally, that, that would achieve player of the season at any other club. But Tim Ream, the fact that he just looked very assured, very competent, you know, mopping up at the back. Of course, he made a few errors here and there, but he'd be forgiven for that. But the amount of clean sheets that we kept, fact that he just you know managed the back line and had the way he was talking to the players as well. It felt like he was a he was at the back. I just saw the way he was just directing his defence and guidance and mentoring on the pitch. You know, these are little things that you see on at the ground and he became a leader, Emilio. Yeah he did. He did. And uh you know we, you know gotta be given the opportunity to play in the Premier League. But for me, you know, so assured all season and you know, you know, deservedly winning that accolade. But on another in another season at another club, you know, seventeen year old Ryan Sessler would have won that would have won that hands down. So um so let's not yeah, the fact that you only got thirteen percent of the from your poll, that that's that's quite staggering really. Sessignon deserved it. Well what's interesting and I'll just share this and then I'll go to uh Giannis. Andy Buckley Taylor, our friend uh who's been on the show several times, Derby County supporter, when he saw the results of the poll, he messaged me and said how can it not be Sessegna? Now, he doesn't watch the team each and every match, so he doesn't understand that. But I understand where you were going on that with Sessegna, and I understand where he's going on that because he sees the numbers, he sees him play not as often as uh, we do, and he sees a, a, a player like Sessegna. So he's like, well, how can he not be the player of the season? But it definitely is Tim Ream, but I understand why you brought up uh, Sessegna, I guess, as a, as a potential second. Yeah, and uh, also yeah, another thing to you. consider as well. Oh. Sorry, I was just going to say one more thing as well is, you know, let's you know, maybe the stat man in Mike Greg. Let's ask him this. But how many teams that have won the Premier League or won the Championship, you know, have had a defender, you know, <laughs> being player of the season? Not often. Normally, you associate your your no. striker who will score your thirty goals a season. You'll look at your fielder, your leader. You know, it's rare to see a defender. Maybe in the old Chelsea days, the old Arsenal days, when they used to, you know, with what scraping one nil wins, etc. But it's rare to see a central defender win that accolade when you've actually been promoted or you know you've been successful, at a, you know, in the season. So that's that, maybe that's something for uh, the world listening to the show. Maybe, you know, just tweet to us where there's examples of non-strikers winning the Player of the Season award, or players <laughs> have actually contributed more to the actual end product of the game rather than just the defensive side of things. So, yeah, I'll be interested to find out. It's very interesting. I will ask Mike the next time I speak to him. That's a great topic there, my friend. When's the last time that has happened? It's very interesting. Okay, Giannis, over to you. Player of the season. I'll give it to Matthew Briggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I mean, who's voting against Tim Ream? Come, like, come on. I mean, come on. Absolute utter bloody colossus. Absolute colossus. Yes, Seth scored lots of fantastic goals. Yes, yes, yes. But Tim Ream, and what's it about Fulham and American players that we love? I mean, really? McBride, Bocanegra, Dempsey, Keller. I mean, these these, honestly, legends all. And uh, Tim Ream... Um, was absolutely magnificent this year, and and I and I I really believe that um, for him his season took off when Betts came back. 
Uh, and let's not forget, he had a very difficult start of the year. And sorry to plug this into your course, Russ, but you know, with what happened in, um, you know, with the, the US's exit from World Cup qualifying, and Ream came back, and there was obviously a hangover there, and a number of players did, and you know, around the world. But then Betts came in, and he was just nothing but a consummate professional. He was just, just an absolute, absolute colossus. And um, for me, it's just hands down, Ream is player of the season. Okay, and I definitely agree with you. I agree with the phone supporters. I also want to mention, uh, I actually asked on the Cottage Talk Facebook page, the same question, didn't make it a poll, just asked a question. And I would say the majority of them, high majority, was Tim Ream. And I certainly understand that because I agree with everyone. I think it should be Tim Ream. We don't get where we are without Tim Ream. There's no question about it in my mind, and I think uh, everyone backs that up. All right, guys, now we're going to be doing the phone player ratings for the season, and we're going to be going off of the uh, ratings from Ryan O'Donovan from football.london i'm going to give you the ratings for several of these players and we're not going to i'm not going to give you every single one he actually gives a rating for all of them including believe it or not Yanis ibrahim Assise. so he he rates them all but just for time's sake we're not going to rate all the players we're not going to go through all the ratings that that ryan did but we'll get through the majority of them to uh talk about a rating so this is a agree or disagree on his ratings and uh Emilio, I'm going to start with you. Let's start with the goalkeepers, David Button and Marcus Bettinelli. Ryan O'Donovan gives David Button a six, gives Marcus Bettinelli an eight. Do you agree or disagree with these ratings? Um, so let's take David Button. You know, let's you know, so played up till December time. You know, again, I think I said on the show several times he kept us in many games when we were going through some bad moments. So. You know, yes, he'll be remembered for these clangers against Brentford, the uncertainty when we're passing the ball back to him, etc. But let's not forget, Bettinelli's had some Murphy moments the last few months when the ball's been playing backwards and forwards, sideways, backwards, sideways, backwards. So I think David Button, for the games that he played in, you know, six out of ten, I think is fair. I don't think it should be less than that because let's give him some credit for the saves he made, you know, kept us in games, games that we should have lost, that we didn't lose. That because we we you know we played well in those games, so he he may have short memories, but if we actually go back and reflect on those performances, you know, Button didn't disgrace himself, to be honest. Um, Bettinelli, I think about an eight is probably fair. You know, I think in you know, a lot of clean sheets. Obviously, the defense grew in confidence. You know, he he made a few mistakes. You know, he wasn't all. You know, it, what's quite ironic with our two goalkeepers is whenever we get put under a bit of pressure, we're hanging on to one nil lead, a two one lead. The ball goes sideways. It goes back to the keeper. That's when we start where our goalkeepers aren't strong enough at times to to, to show more composure. And, you know, when we're dominating, they they come. You know, better comes to the forefront, makes some good saves, commands. Us. When we're hanging in for those one nil, I always get nervous when we're passing the ball back. The distribution is, is disappointing. So that's where. Um, Bettinelli certainly needs to strengthen if he wants to cement his place as a starting eleven next season. But I think Ryan Donovan's ratings are fair. You know, I think if, if Brazil gets less than that, I think that's harsh because games earlier in the season. Okay, over to you, Giannis. Your thoughts on the, these two ratings from uh, Ryan O'Donovan? Uh, I, I agree with the button. I'd give uh, six. He did, and I mean, he's right. He kept us in some games for sure earlier on the season. But I'd give Bettinelli eight and a half. And, and the reason is because okay. I think. Something that can't be underestimated was his leadership when he came back, and he was his, his personality was infectious. And he was he was a, I mean, if you want a, a microcosm of the season and his contribution to his team, it's him picking up that little smoke bomb at the end of the playoff and, and, and running round, uh, running round the back of the uh, back of the net. That was just absolutely brilliant. He, you know, it was um, he he's done, let's not forget he's a Fulham product. His his dad coaches for the club. He's Fulham right. through and through, and this was really really big for him. And um, there's a you know that sense of loyalty, and um, you know he's he showed a lot of leadership, and, and and I think his confidence was infectious in terms of helping the back four along as well. So for me, Button gets six, but Betts gets eight and a half. Okay, excellent. All right, let's now talk about the fullbacks. Ryan O'Donovan gives Matt Target and Ryan Fredericks both eights. Do you agree, Giannis? Yes, yes, I do. Um, yes, I do. Although. 
you know, the Fredericks, I, I'd give it, you know, more on the basis of just the way he, he liked to push forward. And, and, of course, you know, the news in the last 24, 48 hours that he's gone to West Ham. And I, and I do wish him the best um, because he was a, he was such an integral part of our, our promotion season. And um, he's a player I happen to really like. I'm not sure that's the right going to be the right move for him um, because I think he might get found out in the Premier League because he, he's brilliant pushing forward, but his defensive liabilities are often there to be seen. Um, but he had a, you know he was very very solid for us. I thought Matt Target was outstanding, and um, he's got to be one of the targets that we're looking, no pun intended, to pick up uh, in this close season. And I think with the money that we, you know, we're going to get, we're getting money plus if Villa, you know, pay us back out. Six million pounds that they owe us for, you know, the stat steal of taking McCormack off our hands. Um, we're going to have money in the in, in, in the tank to help us. He was, uh, I thought he was super target because he allowed Sess to push forward and he was he very rarely made mistakes. He was a very solid young player, and um, I certainly think they don't both deserve it. Okay, Emilio, your thoughts? Um, I think target at a fair rate. I think. More influential last month of the season. I think the last month he wasn't as effective. He wasn't pushing for his, his, his distribution from wide. Maybe could, could have been nine. Fredericks, I'm only going to give a seven, really. I'm, and that's nothing to do with the fact that he's gone over to wet spam. But I think it's uh, I, defensively, I think he's in the course of the season, but down too often. A lot of not pushing forward in key moments of the game. His final ball to be better. He was desperate from defence, and time and time again, he tried to test a keeper. And, you know, the fact that he failed to score in good positions and many, many times at home in particular, he failed to deliver a simple ball into the box. With all that quality of, of pace, he take on a man is so so damn quick. How many assists did he create all season? The stats in front of me, but I think the, the, the assist number isn't high enough. He got past defenders, that fights him down. That's why I'm only giving him a seven. I don't, I don't, I don't you know, I think he's replaceable. Yes, okay. we'll miss his pace, but offensively he improved. Coming offensively, I think his final ball. So yeah, only a seven for me. Okay, very good there. All right, Giannis, right back to you. Let's talk about the center backs. I'm going to include Adoy, Callis, and Reem. Adoy, Ryan O'Donovan gives a seven. Callis a seven, and Reem a nine. Do you agree with those ratings or disagree with any of them? Um, I um. Adoy a seven for sure, Callas a six, and Reen gets a nine and a half. Okay. I mean, it's just, just, just absolutely bloody immense. As I said, Callas was, you know, was a slight disappointment, and I think really this was his, it really was his opportunity to showcase what he could do, um, and whether, you know, because he's been part of this journey, whether he's good enough for, him to sign, for us to sign permanent, but I don't think he's done that. I don't think he he passed the audition. Um, I think that um, the powers that be at the cottage will look at this and say, well, Callis is not going to be a Premier League centre-back. Um, Tim Ream could be, probably will be, but we need someone to support him, and the man won't be Callis, and it won't be Odoi. And no disrespect to Odoi, because I've got lots of time for him. Um, but, um, you know, we, despite you know a couple of issues there, we managed to get through it. Um, but um, I, I think that Callis, for me, would be a six. Uh, Adoya seven because he was ad- did an admirable job, and I said Reem was just just incredible. Okay, Emilio. Um, the only thing I'd quote, I think you know Adoy versus Callas. You know, you know, yes, one's a more natural you know centre half, but Adoy actually offers more offensive threat. You know, set pieces, and, and we saw that throughout the course of the season. You know, with some of his key goals, he's a you know strong. You know, the way he carries the ball out of defence, and sometimes a little bit nervously. Of confidence carrying that ball forward, and uh, but for me, I challenge the Callas rating. You know, so I, I can't see Callas anywhere close to a, you know anything more than a five. Really, I thought it's, you know he made many mistakes throughout the course of the season. You know, got sent off against Reading. You know, there's you know there's more negatives than positives. I mean, I can't see how how a seven could be warranted. So only a five for me. Okay, Thomas Callas. Very interesting. Very disappointing. Okay. Right back to you, Emilio. Again, this is just for time's sake. I'm just streamlining this, so we're just going to be talking about the main players. For Fulham, uh, there are so many different ratings. You can go on London to see the rest of the ratings. But now we're going to talk about the midfield three and what your thoughts on what Ryan O'Donovan gave them for ratings. Let's start with Tom Kearney, nine. 
Stefan Johansson an eight, and Kevin McDonald a nine. Your thoughts? Um, you know, again, I, just, I think Tom um, Kevin McDonald I'll probably give eight and a half. I'm going to give my man the you know player of the season to Tim Remo if I gave a nine out of ten. So okay. Kevin McDonald, great season, great leader. You know, let's ha- I just wish we can keep him for life. To be honest, he's the natural leader on the pitch. Should be our captain, but you know, he eight and a half for me. You know, I think Tom Kenny a nine. I think. I, you know what's what's Ryan been watching all season? You know, here's something. You know, we did uh, Tom Kenny not being the Tom Kenny of old. Do you know, yeah, but put aside the fact that he scored the winning goal at Wembley. You know, at times quite passive. He, he had the injury in the season. You know, he was very slow to recover from that. You know, so for me, so I, I can't give Tom Kenny anything more than a seven, really. Okay. Oh, the balance of the whole season. Right. Let's look. Not looking at just the, the moment that won us. You know, that got us promoted to the Premier League over the course of the season, gaming. Came out the fact of the amount of game time he played. I don't think he, you know, he wasn't outstanding to be honest. His leadership qualities on the pitch was disappointing at times throughout the pitch. When you want, when the chips are down, you need a leader to dominate and, and you know, t- and, and really start taking control of the players on the pitch, lead from the front. At times he didn't do that when he was carrying a knock earlier in the season, and you know, just yeah, just disappointing. And Seven Johansson again, you know, we had high expectations of him. He, I love him to bits, but I like what Yannis said it earlier in the show. The fact he's brought grittiness to his to his uh, attributes there. He was, you know, those those ruthless fouls, earning him yellow cards, to be honest. But that, the fact that Seven Johansson didn't score as many goals last season, but, you know, I think seven out of ten as well. You know, I don't think he deserved more than that. But Tom Kenny getting a nine out of ten. I'm, I'd like to speak to Ryan O'Donnell separately on that. I disagree. Okay, very interesting. Okay, Giannis, over to you. I'll reiterate the ratings from Ryan O'Donnell. <clears throat> From London, he gives Tom Kearney a nine, Stefan Johansson an eight, and Kevin McDonald a nine. Um, I would give um, I would give McDonald a nine point four <laughs> because I thought he was he was absolutely superb as the umbrella in front of the back four. I thought he had a magnificent season, and really, but for but for Reem's heroics, he would have been my my map player of the season. I thought he's just so outstanding in what he did, and he chipped in with the odd little goal. Let's not forget that butte against Millwall. Um, Stefan Johansson for me an eight, and as I said, I like the grit he brought. I like his edge. I do like his edge. I, I do. He's he's, um, he's a he's a he's a smart player, and um, he's a he's a um, he's a dis- disciplined player in terms of position. But he developed that little bit of spitefulness, and I don't. And you know what? He gave us, he gave teams something to hate, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, he became a marked man, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it will serve him well. Lots of international experience. I'm going to give Kearney a seven, um, and and Kearney was was sensational in um, the game against Derby at home. He was sensational in the final. It was a brilliant finish. The last third of the season, I thought he was very very good, but the first third third of the season was very, very patchy for me. He was still suffering with problems with his knee. They were managing it. And he just didn't look he just didn't look as effective. Um, he's going to be an interesting conundrum for, uh, for, for, for Slovicia in terms of what that midfield is going to look like. And, and, you know, because there are going to be some very good players in the market with creativity. And, and do you use Kearney as a starter or do you use him as someone who's going to you know, he's going to be playing a supporting role because you're up against very strong teams with lots and lots of money who um, will make us look a little silly uh, in terms of the quality that they've got. But um, if Kearney can get fully fit, he's going to play a big part. But he, he didn't, for me, over the whole season. I agree with Amelia. So one of my hopes for the close season is he does get himself healthy because a healthy Tom Kearney it certainly helps our lineup. Okay, excellent there, Giannis. All right. Now I'm going to give you several players. We're, we're looking at it as a 4-3-3. I'm not naming all of them, but I'm going to give you several of them. Here they are. Here are the ratings from Ryan O'Donovan from London. Ryan Sessignon gets a 9. Fuerte Giannis gets a 7. Abubakar Kamara also gets a 7. Alexander Mitrovic gets a 9. Rui Font gets a 6. And Lucas Piazon gets a 7. Now I give you a lot of ratings. Are there any ratings there that you disagree with? Yeah, Floyd Aite. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. I'd give him a five, and I think he's lucky to get that. To me, to me, he's about as he's about as durable as a one-ply tissue paper after you've had a really bad curry. 
You know, I mean, it, to, to me, he's, he's injury prone. Um, if you look at the lineup, you know, and again, this is where Slavija deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, and I said to you before the second game, the second leg against Derby County, that he really needed to play Boo Boo. Because for me, Boo Boo excites the crowd. He does. He's infectious. And, and, and Aita doesn't even have Boo, let alone Boo Boo. So for me, you've you got you got to be durable. To me, he's, I see a lot of Sean Luca, and I wasn't unhappy when he left either. So uh, to me, it, it's a no-brainer. Font a six. Font, you know, I think is a quality, quality player. And I, I happen to think he'll do well next year. I, I think agree. In a different kind of league. Um, but the championship wasn't to his speed and liking, but I think he'll, he's a better player than what he showed. Um uh, Mitrovic nine, absolutely. I mean, he, he gave us the natural striker that would hold the ball up, lay it off. Um, actually worked deceptively hard for me. Covered a lot of ground. Um, looked motivated. Gave everything to the cause. Scored vital goals at vital times. He was a huge, huge addition to his squad. If we can get a chance to sign him, it'd be brilliant. I don't think. I'm not sure we will. I mean, there's one striker out there that I would get if we couldn't get him that I think would cost less, who I think would cause mayhem. But that's another another story for another day. And then um, Sassanian on nine. I mean, what can you say about an 18-year-old that goes out and pops as many goals as he has? And this is the exciting thing about our club. We've got some players of genuine talent. We're going to the Premier League. We've got to have a fair amount of money. And we've also got marketable assets as well. So um, financially, we're in a good footing. Um, the, the payments in Premier League will be excellent. We've got players that uh, things go sideways. And we can sell. The only negative for me, just linked to this, is um, the season ticket issue. And um, I was disappointed to see the prices at the cottage, especially if you compare them to the ones that were released by Wolves yesterday. Right. Um, a lot of the, the season ticket, the season tickets up at Molyneux are half the price of Fulham. Um, so similar sized stadiums as well. So I um, that was a little disappointing. But anyway, I'm sort of veering off the topic. Um, I think Not those were. Did I, was there anybody else on this? I don't Lucas Piazon got a seven. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I agree with Lucas. Uh, and, and I think Piazon is going to do well in the Premier League as well because I, I, a quality player who. Um, he's not the quickest, not the strongest, but but lots of passion, and he does work hard, and, and he's a team player. And ultimately, if you look at this, when you look at that final against Villa, we look like a team. You That's know? right. Um, and, and really, when Adoy got sent off, you could see the, the galvanizing of the team, whereas uh, Villa were Grealish plus the rest. And, and and Grealish is, you know, he gets a lot of trash talked about him, and he's a very good player. And, um, hey... We might be able to get a player like him on the cheap because Villa are in desperate straits anyway. Um, But, um, you know, we were a team and and, and Piazza certainly contributed to that cause all all through the year. Okay, very good there. All right, Emilio, back to you. I'm going to give you the ratings again because there are several players here. Ryan O'Donovan gives Piazza a 7, Fonta 6, Mitrovic a 9, Kamara a 7, Floyd Aite a 7, Ryan Sessignon a 9. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's probably three. I'm not necessarily going to go and repeat things that Yannis said, but Aite, you know, I, I, you know, many, many of our co-hosts aren't necessarily, you know, big fans of Aite. I do like, I do like what he can offer, but he had a very disappointing season. I think seven is a bit too generous. I would have given really a five. Uh, I'd be totally honest okay. with you. Um, over the season, um, font six out of ten, far too generous. Again, I'm not letting, per, you know, I'm not getting, per, you know, letting person, you know, my personal feelings of players get in the way here. I'm being very sure. honest and. You know, what he offered or what he didn't offer, to be honest, I think no more than a five out of ten for me. Um, far too lightweight, not in the games, um, just looking lost at times. Looked like a lonely little boy playing up front. I mean, that's not his fault necessarily, but when the chips are down and you know you've got to, you've got to mix it up as individually as a player as well, it just didn't, didn't really contribute anything into the, into many games. And Piazon again, you know, you know, you know my feelings about him. Love his passion, love his energy, love his desire, his love for the club. But you, you know. A player needs to offer more than just passion. You know his overall contribution on the pitch since he could come from injury. He wasn't the same player. To be honest, yes, he has he had the knack occasionally to score key crucial goals, but overall his his net contribution was disappointing since coming back from injury. So I, I think seven out of ten was far too generous. I'm only giving him a five as well. You, you you have to measure someone on on what they offer on the pitch rather than just purely the love and passion they have towards the club, and that's just not enough for me. 
too lightweight and too sl- and slows the game down considerably. Okay, excellent. Guys, fantastic show. This was a great show. We went through all the player ratings. We talked about several topics in regards to the season. Mr. Janaeus, it's been a wonderful season doing this with you. Before we go, I just want to personally thank you for all of your contributions to Cottage Talk. This episode will officially end this season. This is the seventh season of the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Giannis. Well, I, for one, it's been an absolute honor to to, to, to work with you and, and, and Teddy and all, all the, the Fulham buggers out there. I'm very, very sad that we're not going to be able to do any previews of games against Baston Illa um, or <laughs> Choke City or Button Albion or Barnsley or who's the other one that went down? Oh, oh, oh Blunderland. Um, but I'm really excited about the fact, gentlemen, that we've got 10 London derbies next year. We get to play Chelsea twice, which is always fun. And um, you know what? Uh, with the right signings, I think this is going to be a, a super year. And uh, this was a memorable year for so many reasons. And hey, I've just uh, I, my wife's going to be very pissed off at me. I just spent 150 bucks on stuff from the Fulham website. Um, she doesn't know yet, so don't tell her. I'm, okay? I won't tell her. Okay. No, thank you, because I don't. You know, I'm hoping she won't listen to this. But um, I'm really proud, and it's been a wonderful year. And um, let's see what we can do next year. But we've got the right manager, we've got the right owners, we've got the right uh, staff, and we've got the right um, core of players to, 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 to take us on the bigger and better things. Absolutely. And, uh, Emilio, I just want to mention this. Your contributions have been incredible over the course of uh, Cottage Talks history. So I can't thank you enough for everything that you have done and meant to the show. So. I'll just keep saying thank you, thank you, thank you, like I did to Giannis. But one thing I want to mention is that you and I had a very good discussion along with your other half, Kelly Cowling. We're talking about plans for the upcoming season of Cottage Talk, covering Fulham Football Club. We have big plans. I don't want to go into any details, but uh, I think you'll agree with me. We're going to be taking this show in, in a even bigger level. And uh, thank you for your contributions as we – bring the show to the next level, my friend. Absolutely. You know, again, you know, maybe not done as many shows this season, obviously with wedding plans and, you know, coming up, you know, you know, the wedding's only in four weeks time now. So it's in a lot on my mind, but you know, I love doing the show. Love your energy, Russ. You know, I can't thank you enough for giving the Fulham fans all around the world, the opportunity to listen to everything about Fulham. So I agree. You know, we've got lots of exciting things for our listeners around the world for, for next season. So continue to check in on Cottage Talk, continue to follow us, continue to spread the good words because you know, Fulham are going to the Premier League and so is Cottage Talk. So uh, we look forward to li- having you on, <laughs> on listening to the show for the, for the foreseeable future. We're not going away, put it that way, but you know, I oh, no. love everything about the show. I love our fans. The fact we were united at Wembley. The fact we met so many fans, oh, co-hosts. At, um, incredible. You know, a lot of people, they're just, you know, coming, speaking to us, speaking to you, Russ. The gentleman Jim, you know, all, all of our co-hosts. We, we had a blast of a time. And I agree with oh, Yanis. You know, we've got a lot to look forward to. And the fact that last we season's do. promoted team all stayed up. You know, there's good, there's good exciting times ahead for Fulham Football Club. And, you know... We'll be there following Fulham Football Club through Cottage Talk for the foreseeable future. So thank you again, Russ. Thank you to you for keeping the show going and, and for all our listeners out there listening week in, week out. Thank you very much, guys. Well, thank you very much for saying that, Emilio. And listen, my thoughts are with you and your family, as we mentioned earlier, about your loss. And uh, I'll, I'll be thinking about you. And you've been a dear friend along with uh, Giannis. We, we've dealt with all personal loss, but what's uh, – nice is that we have each other and we have this show to do together and, and get a, get us through the uh, the bad times and obviously the good times and this is uh, some of the best times I can remember as a Fulham supporter and I'm just going to love it and I just love doing the show with you guys. Let's wrap this up though. For Yash Aeneas and Emilio Donnell, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So, yeah, I used the savings from switching to Progressive 50 years ago to finally buy my dream car. It's a self-driving flying car, but we just say self-flying now. You know, because it's the future, and cars fly in the future. 
So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.